ask that you would release your power and your presence in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? So today, I'm going to do something a little different. Usually I read a scripture, uh, a whole scripture, and then I break it down from there. But I'm going to actually do something different today. Today, I'm going to continue the, the, my series on One More Soul. How many have, have been rocked by that series? How many are believing God for One More Soul in your life? Come on. And in your family. Last week, we had the Rooted take over the, the youth service. Come on. Amen. Pastor John talked about that one more soul, and many of us responded to go get our Dugs, our Douglas, D- Donald, sorry. Uh, it started with a D, so I was close. Uh, uh, Donald, our Donald, sorry, not our Douglas, <laughs> our Donald. And so, believe it or not, that really worked. This whole week, I'm like, you know what? I already know my Don- who my Donald is, and, I, and I, the Lord gave me a couple of the names to, uh, of people who I interact throughout the week to get coffee and stuff, and I've been talking to them about the Lord. And so we want to see people get saved and come to the kingdom of God. So today I'm going to talk about, okay, so there's a lot of methods, right, for evangelism. Can I hear an amen? There's a lot of methods for sharing your faith. Today I'm going to give you the greatest method is the Jesus method. We're going to take, look at a story of John chapter 4. Today I'm going to take you on a journey of John chapter 4 with a woman at the well. So we're going to actually read almost that whole chapter today and I'm going to take you step by step on points that Jesus did to engage people with the gospel. Listen, if you have Ron, Ron Harbunke, if you had Todd White and you have Jesus to choose from, who would you choose? Yes, Todd White is an amazing evangelist, so is Ron Harbunke, but Jesus is going to show us how he encountered, watch this, and engaged people. I love Jesus because he's so real. And so we're going to look at how Jesus engaged people to teach us how to engage people for Christ. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes we're so uh, focused on how to do things. If we just look at how Jesus did it, he made it so simple, and yet he engaged people with the gospel. Are you ready? Okay, so, uh, so here's the first point. We're going to go right off the bat. The first point that Jesus did to engage people with the gospel, if you could put the, the point number one up there, Zach, is this. Jesus went outside the four walls of the church building to engage people intentionally with the gospel of Jesus, of of, of salvation. I'm going to say that again. Jesus went outside the four walls of the church building to engage people intentionally. Say intentionally with me. Come on. So that means he he just didn't be like, what what am I going to do today? No, he actually went outside looking for people. When was the last time the church did that? Now, I'm going to tell you the story, break down the story of the woman at the well, and you see how Jesus went outside the four walls of the synagogue or the church and engaged people. Look at John chapter 4, verse 3 and 6 in the NLT. Mostly everything is going to be in the NLT today, so you can look up the screen or go on your tablet. So he left, Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. Now watch this. This is so amazing. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way, so he had to pass Samaria. Right? If you know anything about Samaria, Samaria was not the ways of the Lord. They were considered worldly people back then. Okay? Samaritans were not part of the culture of the Lord. But Jesus had to pass through that area. See, a lot of us, we pass through the rough neighborhoods. We're like, hurry up. Let's get out of this rough neighborhood. Don't, don't, let, me, don't let me go that. Let's go lock the windows. Jesus went through, and he had a purpose when he was going through a worldly city. Now watch. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sikar. Say Sikar. That's, that's important. Near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So here's the first thing that I see. Jesus intentionally went to a place where he knew people were searching for something. He went to a place where people were searching to get a drink. They were in need of something. And it's it's amazing to me. Yes, he was tired. Yes, he was weary. But it's amazing that Jesus sat by the well and, and went outside the church and waited for a worldly person to come to the well so he could engage a conversation with them. Do you understand that you, you have to get to a place where you, could, you go on purpose to engage people with the gospel and not wait for them to come to you, right? You have to make sure that there's, there's more people that are, are unsaved than are saved most of the time in, in the world. 
Now, you, you have to realize this story because this is awesome. It's interesting because Jesus, the Bible says he went to a village named Sakar. And the reason why I told you to repeat Sakar, because I look up that word Sakar, right? I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's, it's, it's C-Y-C-S-Y-C-H-A-R. In the Greek in verse 5, when he said he went to a village named Sakar, you know what that village means in the Greek? Are you ready? A drunken, intoxicating place. A, um, a, a drunken state of being or an intoxicated drink. That's what Sakar means. So in other words, Jesus went to a place that was known for drunkenness. Come on, somebody. That was known for intoxication. That was known to being dirty. And he wasn't intimidated to go to that place. Because he knew that he carried something greater. And something better. When you go to a dark place, you should not be intimidated or scared of that reputation of that city or the reputation of your job or the reputation of your neighborhood because you know you carry something greater than that. If I had the cure for cancer, I would go to the hospital. I would go to dark areas and say, guys, I have a formula that can actually cure your disease. But we don't do that because we don't know that greater is he that is in us than he was in the world. If you truly know that what you carry inside of you is greater than any darkness. That's why the, uh, my brother, that he was uh, worshiping Satan. And, and, and people that don't know the Lord will talk to a brother like that and be like, uh, I could believe for a headache. Let's not talk to that dude. Because he's a Satanist. Who cares? Do you realize that in one moment I saw that young man, uh, and when I was there, uh, when I spoke on the cross, one, one little encounter with the cross made that man start crumbling under the presence of the Lord. It doesn't take a fight for Jesus to beat up Satan. He, 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 he wins all the time. The, so what I'm saying is Jesus was not intimidated to go to Sakaar. Some of you are intimidated to preach in certain places, and you only want people to bring to come to church because you're because you're afraid of a certain city a certain job a certain reputation of darkness and we can't we say look all hope is lost we can't go to this neighborhood we can't go to this job because this job is really dark no he went to a place called drunkenness and and that's where he now as a matter of fact he didn't care about other people's reputation of him uh, that i could preach for an hour of him being in a place that was called drunkenness as a matter of fact if you read the scripture the whole way through that when the disciples came they said no one dared to say why he was alone with the woman because they had doubts like why is he talking to, to a girl to a woman by himself but they knew that see jesus knew who he was so the jesus approach for evangelism is a he went outside the four walls of the church now here's the sad thing that, that Samaritans were not typically part of the ways of the Lord or of Bible culture. So uh, 90% of the time, we have to go to them, not them come to us. Now, here's the next point I want to I take so that you guys could take notes. The second point is going to be on your screen, the Jesus method, okay? The encounter of the woman of the well gives us a, a 101 evangelism strategy. You know, we've gone to three or four different conferences to learn how to evangelize. If you just... Do it the Jesus way. You will be successful all the time. Can I hear an amen? So the second point, let me just pause and say, how many have deeply, including me, have said, I want tools of how to witness to people, right? And we try to memorize methods, and that's okay. But I want you to see the practicality of what Jesus did. Number one, he went outside the church, the four walls of the church. Here's clue number one. If you want people to get saved, don't expect them to get saved only at church. Because the greatest mission field is not Africa, it's not, it's not Costa Rica, it's not some third world country. It's your own neighborhood, it's your own family, and it's your own job. There's people that are lost that need you. Why do you think God placed you there? Hello? I said, why do you think God placed you there? So the second point is this. Jesus initiated, you can put that on the screen, the conversation that caused her, watch this, to hunger... For reality that she didn't have but desperately needed. I want to share this with you. Jesus intentionally said things to spark hunger in people. Listen to what I'm saying. When you talk to somebody, don't just talk about the football game. Don't, that's great. Don't just talk about When you bump into somebody and start talking to them, cause your words for them to hunger for something greater, which is Jesus. They need to leave your presence knowing that they've encountered something bigger than them that they need. Now watch how Jesus 
I love Jesus because he, on purpose, that's right, caused her to hunger. That's what we need to do. We need to cause people to hunger for Jesus. That's what we need to do. Now, now how did he do that? Look at verse 7, all right? John chapter 4. We're going to be John chapter 4 a lot this morning. Soon a Samaritan woman came draw to near water. Near water. In other words, so he's there. He's tired. He's going out the four walls. He's sitting there waiting. Are you ready for this? For a worldly person to come to him. He's, he's going to the world and he's about to encounter a worldly person. But when he's encountering a worldly person, he's not just going to say, Hey, how you doing? How was, how was the party last night? Cool. Bye. See you. Happy birthday. He had a plan to engage her and to spark hunger. Watch. She came to draw water and she just said, look at this. This is so practical. Give me a drink. It wasn't wasn't something spiritual. He said, give me a drink. He did not wait for her to see the light in him. He said, give me a drink. Right? He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. I'm going to preach about that in a second. She was surprised. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, watch the hunger. They really, here's the deposit of hunger. If you only knew the gift of God that was standing before you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Watch. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, watch, here's the hunger moment. Are you ready? Most of us will, most of us at this conversation will say, well, because, you know, you just, because God is God. You know, that's why. Look at what he says. Anyone who drinks of this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give him will never be thirsty. Will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh, bubbling springs within them, giving them eternal life. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Look at the next verse. Please, sir, give me this water. Hunger was sparked in this woman who was a worldly person, and she said, sir, I want what you're speaking about. I'm thirsty naturally, but now you're causing me to thirst for spiritual things. How can I get what you're saying to me? Do you realize that part of the way to engage people with the gospel is to create hunger for something greater that they don't have? Is to create hunger for, the, for peace that they don't have, for joy that they don't have, for, for uh, contentment they don't have. Not so much more money, but more freedom. Because we're all bound by sin. So you're offering something, a way out that they never knew that there was a way out. Do you realize? He sees the This is what I love about Jesus. He was so practical. He sees the moment, and watch this, hear me, met her at her own level. Say that with me. Met her at her own level. He didn't say, oh, Rabba Shataba, how are you? Do you see the Lord of it? He goes, give me a drink. It's very practical. And with a drink, he started prying with a conversation and watch this he did not speak christianese to the woman now what is christianese Th- things that the church knows but only people don't know like but well, you need to get delivered like what deliver a box ups what what, what, what do you mean deliver we, we, we laugh but deliver to, to worldly to people that don't know christian lingo that's why we 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 can't relate to the world anymore we talk about and we think we were born saved like we never were in the world like, like you were born saved and sanctified, speaking in tongues out of the womb. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus. Yeah, you say the blood of Jesus to a worldly person, they'd be like, what kind of religion is that? You're going to drain the blood out of God, Jesus? and get, No, I don't want that. Or, or we use terms like, I, re, you, I rebuke that. Rebuke? Are you going to scold me? Are you going to spank me? Oh, come on. Let's, right? Delivered. Rebuke. All those phrases are good for church people, but not for people that don't know the Lord. Jesus never said those things. He didn't say, the anointing sister that breaks the yoke of bondage is upon thee. So you may need to come to thee so that the Holy Spirit come, come and that you could relinquish thy chains of bondage. She just said, he just said, give me a drink. He didn't, he didn't speak Christianese. Jesus didn't speak 
delivered, anointed. That's great for us, but we need to learn how to talk to people that don't know the Lord because you once were, now say, come on, give the Lord a big hand for that. Jesus meets you at your at where you're at. He's practical. I love that he didn't say all this Christianese language. He just said, I'm thirsty. I'm, I'm actually really thirsty. Can you give me a drink? Some people say he wasn't really thirsty. He was thirsty. The Bible says he was thirsty. <laughs> well, you know, he was just, no, he was thirsty. But in his thirst, he said, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. Even though I'm hungry, even I'm thirsty, I'm going to ask her for a physical drink. But I know what she's going to say. And I'm going to offer her a spiritual drink. When's the last time you're in a supermarket and you're hungry and you bump into somebody because you're hungry, you're getting food, and an opportunity presents itself for you, and you're too busy with your shopping list and your hunger that you don't talk to them about the hunger for spiritual things. This is the way that Jesus walked. He walked. See, we make it so hard. Like, we have to memorize a script. Okay, hey, how you doing? Um, for, step one is say that they're a sinner. Step two, say that Jesus loves them. Step three, uh, point, go to Romans. <laughs> No. How you doing, bro? Hey, I love coffee. You love coffee? I love coffee too. But the coffee that I give you, that, no. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> there's, a better, there's a better coffee. Well, we do that. It ain't no high like the most high, right? <laughs> they, <laughs> hey, he brews. They're going, to be, they're going to be Bustelo in heaven. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, focus. <laughs> Sadly, listen, the thing that stands out to me in this, in this verse, guys, is that sadly, now this is a, a sad moment, prophetically, that the Samaritan worldly woman was shocked, are you ready for this, that a Jewish person, symbolic of the church, would talk to Samaritans, symbolically of the world. She was shocked. What are you doing? What are you doing talking to me? Jews don't mess with worldly people. Church people don't mess with worldly people. That is a sad indictment on the church. Can I be honest with you? Most people that don't know the world, they don't have a good reputation for church people. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't because they hardly ever encounter people that are confident enough in the Lord to engage them in a conversation to turn them to Jesus. And I remember someone in our congregation, which I won't name, is one of our, one of, uh, one of our, uh, our leaders. Uh, she posted not too long ago this week that she was at work and a customer came to her and, and she was witnessing to this customer. And this customer said, oh, believe me, you don't want me in church. I'm the definition of secular. Church people even told me I'm too secular. And so, she's and so she's talking to this person. This is true. This happened a, couple, a week ago. She's talking to this customer who was not saved. And the more he, she talked with him, the customer said, well, how can I know, hear me now, how can I believe that Jesus is Lord when his children don't believe he's Lord? This is what the customer said. How can I believe that God's love for me when his children don't know God's love for them. He said that, how, do, how can I believe Jesus is the son of God when his own children don't believe he's the son of God or could say who Jesus is? This is what he said out of his mouth because he never encountered people that were so filled with God and did not speak Christianese to them. Listen, here's a news flash. Are you ready? Ready for this revelation? Worldly people are going to act like worldly people. Don't be shocked. We act like, what, what, what's wrong with them? They don't know Jesus. They're cursing. They're supposed to curse. They're bound on drugs. They're supposed to be bound on drugs. I mean, that's not the will of God for them. But you have to understand that the blind will only lead the blind into a ditch. That's like me getting mad at a blind person because they can't drive. What's wrong with you? Why can't you drive? I can't see. We laugh, but that's how we treat people. This man that encountered this, one of our congregants told them that the church told him that he was too secular. Look, we pray, we, we pray for revival. If we pray for revival and souls were asking for almost soul, let's not be shocked at the package that it comes with. You know what? When we pray for souls, Lord, give me one more soul, it's going to come with those rebellious people, those people with the earrings and, and purple hair, or whatever it is. Who cares? Jesus died for them too. I said, Jesus died for them too. 
We're supposed to be cause hunger in people's lives for Jesus. Say hunger. And you know that the Bible says you are the salt of the earth. We know that. I've said it here before. But do you actually know that the Bible says we need to have the qualities of salt? Some of you don't know that. You know one scripture says you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. But there's another scripture in the NLT that says you must have the qualities of salt. Literally the qualities of salt in Mark chapter 9. Put that up there, Zach. Mark chapter 9, I believe, uh, NLT, verse 50. Salt is good for, for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among, the qualities of salt among yourself and live in peace. So he, watch this. If Jesus is saying you must have the qualities of salt, it's our job to study the qualities of salt. Right? You know what salt does? Salt preserves. It holds back corruption. As the salt of the earth, we hold back the corruption of the earth by being the fragrance of God to people. We hold back the decay. You know what it does? It also gives it flavor. We give flavor to, the, to, to, to make Jesus desirable. But you know what salt also does? It makes people thirsty. If you're the salt or you have qualities of the salt, that means in your conversation, you should make people say, I want what you have. That's why she said, give me this drink. When she said, give me this drink, Jesus is like, I got her. Here it comes. Which leads me to the third. Now, this, this is brand new right here, and I'm going to tell you. Most people, hear me, this is one of the most important things I'm going to say in my message. Most people, when it comes to sharing their faith, know about these two a little bit. But they don't, they don't emphasize the next point. Because we don't really teach that in evangelistic methods, which is this. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit and activated the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in this case prophecy, in his witness. And this caused her heart to open up and be curious to the message of salvation. Look at me. When's the last time in an evangelistic training that you heard someone say, you need to be led by the Spirit and you need to activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Never. You hardly ever, with a few maybe of Todd White or others that actually say that, uh, emphasize that. We have left, tragically, the leading of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit out of our witness because we think it's only for church people. Are you ready, for, are you ready, to, get, are you ready to get blown away? Look at how Jesus suddenly, he throws a curveball. He goes out of the church. He causes something to hunger. And all of a sudden, the gift of prophecy in the middle of a conversation at Walmart, at Publix, at Burger King, right? So he's at the well drinking. And all of a sudden, he's, lit, he's led by the Holy Spirit. And he says, look at that verse. Put that verse up there, the next verse. Go get your husband. What? Did Jesus bump his head? What? Well, he's talking about drinking water. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, ask her. Woo. Ask her to get her husband. Go get your husband. Watch this. Get the prophecy. Watch this. I don't have a husband. The woman replied. And look at what Jesus said. You're right. You don't have five. Sorry, you don't have, you don't have a husband. Look at the next verse. For you have five husbands. <laughs> Who told him that information? You have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. <laughs> Gangster. You certainly spoke the truth. Watch this. Watch this. Look at the next verse. Sir, you must be a prophet. Now watch. Hold, hold that verse for a second. Could you imagine the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in you when you witness to somebody and you don't neglect the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We need to act. The gifts of the Holy Spirit is given to the church to better minister to people. So imagine you're in your job, and you're talking about, hey, you're just going to coffee, hey, give me a drink, and all of a sudden, you spark hunger in that person for Jesus, and all of a sudden, you talk to the, this girl, and say, hey, how you doing, Susie? Hey, Susie, go get your husband. Uh, I don't have a husband. And then you at work said, you're right, Susie, you have five husbands. You had five, you had five men, and none of them were your husband, and the one that you're sleeping with now, that's not your husband either. Do you think she's going to be like, okay, let's just keep eating, you are going to grab her attention. You know what the gift of prophecy does? The Bible says, oh, I'm going to shout. The gift of prophecy is used so that people could open up their heart and bow down and recognize that God is real and pay specific attention to the little details of their life. When someone calls your mail out, you better believe that you're going to start believing in God right now. 
You may have this, all, this, all these things figured out in your mind, why do you don't believe, but when someone describes a shirt that you were wearing last night, come on somebody. When someone describes what you did last night to the T, you are either going to say that guy is crazy or God is real. When is the last time in our witness approach that we listen to the voice of the Lord and not an agenda to see what do you want me to speak to this individual? I want to say something new to you today. In your approach to witnessing to people, be open to the voice of the Spirit and literally say in your prayer time, God, show me something that I could encourage this person while I'm talking to them. And you can say something like, you know what, I don't know why this is weird, but I just keep feeling, do you have a back problem? Yes, I do. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to engage them, and they're going to have curiosity to engage. Now, now, and she asked, look at the next verse. After he gave this word, look at what he said. Look at what the woman said. So tell me. I, I have this picture. She dropped her bucket, and now she, he's, he's got her attention. So asking questions. So tell me, what is it that you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for worship, while we Samaritans claim is the, is the Mount of Gezerim where the ancestors worshiped? Right? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming where it no longer matter where you worship the Father in this mountain or Jerusalem. I, because of time, I don't want to keep, but he keeps on saying, hey, look, the God is searching for worshipers that worship in, tr- in spirit and truth. He's engaging in a conversation. He's not too hurried to check off his grocery list. He didn't get a drink and then say, bye-bye, thank you very much. He used the gifts of the Spirit. Now watch this. This is key. This is key what I'm about to say. One of the elements that have been left out in the body of Christ when it comes to sharing our faith is the good old-fashioned voice of the Lord. The gift of the Holy Spirit is needed so that you could better reach people. Do you know? Are you ready? You're going to shout in a second. I want to show you one of the reasons for the gift of the Spirit, especially prophecy. It's not just so people can see, look how spiritual you are. Wow, you must know God because you just told me that I had a green shirt last night, and I did. No, the purpose... For calling out someone's mail is so they can say, God is real. Are you ready? I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. Look at this. The, the Scripture causes people the gift of prophecy to benefit other people and the gifts of the Spirit. Watch this. Look at 1 Corinthians 4, 14. This is so good. Are you getting something this morning? 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse 23. Are you ready for this? Say amen. Watch this. Paul the Apostle speaking, even so, now watch this, this is key, I want you to follow on, don't don't lose. If unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church, RCC, your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in tongues or unknown language, they will think you are crazy. I love that. Paul the Apostle you know, he's talking, if a worldly person comes in and hear, and hear think about a, a person who's never been brought up in the church, and they hear everyone speaking to them, they'll be like, what the heck is happening here? Paul the Apostle said, that's for you. Speaking in tongues is to you get edified. That doesn't mean it's wrong. He never said it was wrong, but watch what he said. Watch, I'll continue. You, they'll think you're crazy, but if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers and people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin. And judge by, the, by what you say. As they listen to the gifts of the Spirit of prophecy, watch this, their secret thoughts will be exposed. What's the result of the gifts of the Spirit? Ready? And they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly among you. Do you realize that when a, a person that doesn't know the Lord, let's say the person doesn't know the Lord and comes sit down here, and somebody hears the word, word of God and says, uh, is there a Fernando Soto? And the guy's like, what in the world? Someone must have told People tell me all the time that when they bring visitors and I speak something that the Holy Spirit led, they, they turn to them and say, hey, did you tell the pastor about, about what I'm going through? What does that do to you when you know that God is calling you out in a good way? It, bring, it brings you to a place where you recognize God is real. Can I hear an amen? So look, look, if you look further in the first verse, let's just look to the first verse. If we could have uh, the worship team come up here, please. Look up in the first verse. Look at this. Everyone, look at me, everyone should desire spiritual gifts. Why? Not just for you, so that you could better minister to people. Say this after me. Say, I want the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not for me, but to better witness to people. You know, I'm going to dare say that God speaks to you, you just don't recognize it. 
If you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, he will start speaking to you about the other person that you're talking to. Remember the story I gave you when I first started this series? Remember? Where I went to, I keep going to this coffee place, and, and they said, oh man, you know this person, they knew you, you're the pastor, did he talk to you about God? And he goes, no, he just talked to me about coffee. And I remember getting convicted about that, so he became my Donald. And I started visiting him and started talking to him about Jesus this week. I started talking to him about the Lord. And so look at what 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire, say desire, the special abilities the Spirit gives. Especially the gift to what? To prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, hear me now, this is key, you will be talking only to God since people won't understand you. In other words, tongues, the Bible says, is a, is a heavenly prayer language that edifies you. Right? Right? It edifies you. It's a prayer language no one will understand. No one understand uh, those things. So they're not going to be edified necessarily by that. But watch what the Bible says. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Do you realize that part of the things that's missing in your witnessing is the voice of the Holy Spirit? There's some people, some of you, I dare to say, you hear the voice of the Lord more than others. You just don't know is the voice of the Lord. But I, t- I, 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 I challenge you. To be in a position, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. The worst thing they could say is, no, that, no, thank you. But could you imagine? There was a, there was, uh, there was a, a, a person uh, not too long ago that I was talking to, and I think it was in 7-Eleven. Um, and I started talking to them, and one thing led to another, and I started talking to them about the Lord. And the whole time I'm talking to them, I hear in my heart, it, their, their parents were Christians. His parents were Christians. I'm thinking... Okay, and so I kept talking to him because I wasn't sure, and the whole time, like, his, his, his parents prayed for him. So he was having a hard time uh, connecting with what I was saying. I said, you know what? I believe your, your parents, your parents are Christian, man, and they've been praying for you. They've been praying for people like me to come to you, and he, his eyes got open. He goes, how did you know my parents are Christian? I said, I feel that your parents, they love the Lord, and they're praying for you. That guy's eyes got watery. Because I, I told him by the voice of the Holy Spirit that his parents were praying for him to be encountered by God. And then I said, maybe, I'm, maybe God sent me to talk to you about Jesus. And I, we exchanged numbers and we exchanged phones and I uh, texted him. And I'm inviting him to RCC and he will come one day in Jesus' name. But when she, I'm almost done. When Jesus activated the gifts of the Spirit, she knew that God was all-powerful, all-loving, and paid attention to the little details of her life. What does that do to you when you are going through something and the Lord through somebody says, don't worry, that financial problem that you have, God's going to take care of it. What, what happened? God, you're going to say, God really truly listens to the little details that move my heart. Can I hear an amen? And lastly, here's the last thing I'm going to say, then we're going to pray. One last, last point. One encounter with a person of Jesus instantly made the woman at the well a mighty proclaimer of who Jesus is. Here's the good news. Are you ready? You don't have to go to three or four powerful evangelistical conferences to teach you how to evangelize. You just have to have a personal encounter with Jesus and get his word inside of you and then evangelism will explode automatically out of you. Because you will be excited to talk about whatever you are passionate about. If you're passionate about football and baseball, you will talk about it more. If you're passionate about about business, you will talk about business more. If you're passionate and you have encountered the Lord, you will encounter, you will speak about Jesus more. Now watch this. I'm going to close with some scriptures and then we're going to pray for one more soul. Can I hear an amen? We're going to pray that we, we do this Jesus method throughout the day, throughout the week, that when we're going to Publix, we're going to Walmart, that we could say, hey, give me a drink, or hey, give me some coffee, or hey, give me some groceries, and that you engage someone from there to the gospel. Can I hear an amen? Look at John chapter 4, 25, and then I'm, we're, we're closing. 25 through 26, 28 through 30, and, and 39. Just follow with me. Watch this. Look at 
the power of one encounter with the woman of the well who, who 30 minutes ago was an unbeliever. One conversation with Jesus. Watch what happens next. All right? This is not a year later. This is not two years later. This is right after she talked with Jesus. Look what happened. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. Look at verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back. Watch this. Watch this. Ran back to the village telling everyone. Hello. This is a new Christian. This is a new believer. And she's telling everyone. She didn't have to go to a conference. She was so impacted by the words of, of Jesus. She went back to her job. She went back to her village. She went back to the drunken place. And she told everyone about Jesus. Church people can't do that. And they've been serving the Lord 20 years. We don't tell everyone about Jesus because we, we got used to the Lord. We got used to living for Jesus. We get used to our own little bubble that we don't realize that people need Jesus. Watch. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. She's telling her whole city that. Imagine you go to your neighborhood right now and you gather your whole neighborhood. Guys, I need you to see a man that just told me everything that I've been doing. Who is this man? Let me tell you about him. Look at this. So the people came streaming from the villages. Do you see evangelism didn't take conferences. It took an encounter. Man, that should have said a bigger amen to that. Maybe, just maybe, the reason why we're not sharing our faith anymore is we've stopped encountering Jesus. Maybe the reason we're, we're so busy with our lives is because Jesus is third place, fourth place. And we have to pay our bills and we have to eat. We've got to go to school. But Jesus, you're, you're coming next. Stay there. I'm coming. Remember how you felt when you first got saved? You didn't have no scripture. You just told everybody. That's what I did. I had no script other than I, I feel different. I feel clean. I feel free. John 3, 16, that's all I knew. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know anything more? I don't need to know anymore. But that didn't stop me. Look, lastly, and then we're going to pray. Look at verse 39. Then many Samaritans from the village say this word, believed. Why? Why do they believe? Because the woman said, he told me everything I ever did. Do you realize what an entire village means? Imagine your whole neighborhood, your entire neighborhood. Oh, here's a good news for you. you. Do you know what she did? She didn't break down Greek. She didn't break down Hebrew. She just told her testimony. She told her testimony about a man who met her at a well and offered a drink. And from that conversation, he said, if you drink from me, you will never thirst again. And then called out lovingly her sinful patterns and said, listen, there's a chance for you to turn. There's something better than going from guy to guy to guy. There's more fulfillment than the relationship that you're trying to close your gap with and the hurt that you're having trying to close it with relationships. There's a better way to close that heart wound is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he says, then he says this. Okay, then go ahead and receive. She went back to her village and she told everyone about this encounter. And moments later, the Bible says the entire city was streaming because they wanted what she had. Guys, it's time that we become light. It's time that we begin to fervently pray. I, be, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me something this week. When I said earlier that sometimes we've got to get mad in prayer, what I meant by that is we need to just get fervent in prayer. And, 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 and start declaring things. And when I started declaring, I said, no. 24 hours later, Natalie called us and said, the gap has significantly closed. What if, just what if, I want everyone to stand up. What if, what if we in this church, what if we got intense about the souls that we're looking for? What if we in this church, in RCC, adopted the Jesus model at the woman at the well? Some of us are going to go out to lunch right now. And some of us are going to say, give me a drink to our waiter. 
And some of us are going to say, I want a hamburger, I want a burrito, or I want a steak. Don't be all Christianese with them. Don't be talking about, I rebuke that, the blood of Jesus, I delivered, that's, that's later. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about his love for them. Tell them that there's a greater water, a greater presence, greater peace than, than the peace of this world. You can have all the money in the world and still not be fulfilled. Come on. So I want you to right now lift up your hands, and I want you to begin to pray for a person that will become that person that you engage with this week. Come on. Right now. I want you to take a, a minute right now. I want you to lift up your hands and say, God, I'm asking you to let me be led by the Spirit of God. And I'm asking you to help me to get out of my Christian selfishness. And I pray that my love will be outward, that you will look for opportunities. Right now, come on, begin to pray for that person that you're believing to come to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, come on. Father, we speak their name out. We speak them out. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus. Come on. Release the Spirit of God. very carefully if you're here and you say this week I want to be like Jesus in the well I want to be intentional to engage people in conversation come on God is stirring you I want to engage people not with Christianese but I want to engage people with with it doesn't matter how much knowledge you know but I want to engage people with the gospel of the good news it's time that I get stirred up out of the four walls of the church if that's you raise your hands come on I want you right now all those who are feeling challenged come on there should be more people lifting up their hands if you feel challenged, it doesn't mean you have to be an expert. Let's just present ourselves before the Lord. Come on. No, this is not for bad people. We're just going to present ourselves. Get out of your seat and say, I want to engage people this week for the gospel. Come on. Get out of your seat and join me right here. Join me. Get, get out of your seat and join me. And while you are, while you're coming and you're going to engage people, come on. Be intentional about it. Jesus was intentional about the woman in the well. Now, this may sound weird to some of you. Come on. We're going to pray. But while I was preaching, I just said a name in random. I said Fernando Soto. And one of our leaders felt a word of knowledge that there's a Fernando Soto watching online. That, that's going to be a miracle. That's going to be a miracle. He felt there's a Fernando Soto watching online. And I, I, I just said that word. It came to my head. If you're watching online, I feel the Holy Spirit. And if whoever you are, Fernando Soto, whoever are you are or more if you're watching online this is for you God is calling you out and wanting you to surrender today to stop running to stop the hurt to stop the pattern of pain and anger or bitterness and he wants you to come and surrender to the Lord if that's you just know that the Lord is speaking to you surrender right now the Holy Spirit wants to touch you now the rest of you I want you to lift up your hands right now and say God this week stir me up come on Lord Jesus, to me, I, you know what? I just feel like saying this. I'm going to say it. Some of us, we need to repent for selfish Christianity. The Bible, the story that I read, the, the Samaritan was shocked that a Jewish man was talking to her. Can I say something? There's people out there that are shocked 
that no worldly person, no church person has come talk to them yet. Because so many people do not want to approach people that are in darkness. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to stir yourself, church. Don't just live in a Christian club. Get out of the four walls. Listen, and love people. Hug people. Come on. Father, we just thank you right now. Come on. Lord, use me to say something of hope that will spark hope, that will spark someone to stop killing themselves, to stop cutting themselves, Lord. So let me just smile at them. Let me just hug them. Let me say one word that will, that will help my, 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 my fellow brethren, my people, my family, my friends come out of darkness and into light. The Holy Spirit wants you to offer them a drink this week. I hear the Holy Spirit says, offer them that everlasting water, everlasting life that God wants you to move. You don't have to go to five uh, uh, conferences to be an evangelist. Just be encountered by God. Say, use me, I will go. Come on. Say, Jesus, this week, use me to be a light in dark places. Come on, say it. Say it with me. Say it like you mean it. Show me who my Donald is. Show me who that person is that I bump into in my sphere of influence that I could talk about Jesus. Father, I declare boldness to come into every person in RCC, even in their jobs, Lord God. Do not just let them sit there. Let them be intentional this week. Stir them up. Stir up the stagnant waters to stir them to speak about the blood of, of, of the love of Jesus. And lastly, I'll say this before we close. The Bible says that if you know that someone is doing wrong and you don't warn them that their blood is in your hands. The Bible says their blood is in your hands. Could you imagine the shock in heaven when the co-worker or your family is in heaven and they're in line to hear the final judgment of Jesus and they look at you and they say, why didn't you ever tell me about this man? Why didn't you ever, and you say to them, because I was afraid that I would lose you as a friend. Then it'll be too late. And they'll be eternally separated from God and there'll be no second chances. I'm going to say this one last thing. All of us are evangelists for the Lord. Not just the evangelists. The Bible told Timothy, Paul told Timothy, who was, had a pastoral gift, he said, do the work of an evangelist. That means the doctor, the lawyer, the pastor. Now, what is an evangelist? Does that mean that you have to stand in a street corner with a megaphone? And No, that doesn't mean that. You know what an evangelist means in the Greek? Proclaimer of good news. That's all it is. So all you have to do is, while you're in your job, end the silence. End the silence. If Donnie would have just been, been worried about painting with his painting company and just worried about that, and not see the opportunity that there was a Satanist there talking to him. He dropped that, that, that thing that he was doing with his paint. And, he, and Donnie started talking to that young man about Jesus. And he started feeling moved like, I never felt this love before. As a result, that young man went to a, 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 a retreat last week. And now he's here at church saved by the power of Jesus. Come on. Church, I, I lovingly say this. Don't be silent anymore. It's time, to, it's time to speak. It's time to speak. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for what you're doing in this room. We thank you for stirring this community to love well, to love our neighbor well, that our love will be outward, not inward. Let the culture of RCC be that that love extravagantly, that love others extravagantly. Today, the homework assignment this week is to find someone in your sphere of influence that you bump into regularly and talk to them about the goodness of God, that God wants to take their pain away, that God wants to take their sin away in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Come on, one last time. Let there be light. Come on, one last time. Let's sing it together before we leave. Let me be the light, Jesus. Let there be light 
until it fills up every space. We believe that and we receive that. If you believe that, give the Lord a big hand of praise, guys. We love you. Listen, invite someone next week. Tell them about Jesus. We'll see you next week. God bless you.